Welcome back to The Daily Poem here on the Close Reads Podcast Network. I'm David Kern, and today's Friday, May 8th, 2020. Today's poem is by an English poet uh, named John Clare. You've heard from him before on this podcast a few times. He lived from 1793 to 1864. Uh, he was uh, the son of a farmer, and so many of his poems are uh, in celebration of uh, the, the life that he grew up in uh, and of the, the work that people like his father, uh, that his father uh, conducted, that they did for, for uh, their survival. He felt like that uh, way of life was being um, consumed and sort of spat out by the Industrial Revolution. And so his, his, uh, his poetry was in support of them and their way of life. The poem that I'm going to read today is called The Nightingale's Nest, and it's long enough that I don't think I'll be able to read it twice, so I want to offer some comments up at the top. Uh, I got an email. I get an email called Proofrock every day. It's uh, a summary of great articles and things like that from all over the internet. And the, in that email, a piece was shared from the Hudson Review. It's called Elegy and Plenitude in the Wild. It's by Dean Flower, and it's from their spring 2020 issue. And it's about... Um, it's about birds in England, and uh, there's a paragraph in here that references this poem, because I did not know this poem before, but I want to read this paragraph to you, uh, and, then, and then I'll read the poem to you. But Flower writes, quote, The nightingale has a long history in England, particularly in poetry and legend, but its natural history lagged behind, partly because the bird itself is so elusive and commonplace when seen, and partly because its song alone is so spectacular powerful, various, inventive, seductive, unpredictable, sometimes disturbing. Even John Clare did not know when he wrote The Nightingale's Nest in 1832 that only the male sings, but nobody knew his poem either, which languished unpublished until 1978, that the bird flourished for centuries in Western Europe and the south of England and survived the abuse of being caged, where it always died, and was sold to amuse courtiers and fops is also well known. But the species diminished rapidly after World War II, so that Burl and Tree could recall hearing a nightingale only once in the 1990s since coming to Nep. By 2001, the year we started rewilding, nightingales seemed to have disappeared from the estate altogether. That's a quote. National figures reflected a decline of 53% from 1995 to 2008, but at Nep, a reversal was underway by 2010, and soon the density of its nightingales was 7 to 11 breeding pairs per 10 hectares, compared to the regional average of 2. The decisive factors seem to have been habitat changes, particularly the increase of scrubland and thickets of blackthorn, bramble, and leaf litter. Okay, so that little bit of context then uh, leads us into this poem by John Clare, The Nightingale's Nest, which, as Dean Flower noted in the passage that I just read, was unpublished until 1970s. This is how it goes. Up this green woodland ride, let softly rove and list the nightingale. She dwells just here. Hush, let the wood gate softly clap, for fear the noise might drive her from her home of love. For here I've heard her many a merry year, at morn, at eve, nay, all the live long day, as though she lived on song. This very spot, just where that old man's beard all wildly trails rude arbors o'er the road and stops the way, and where that child its blue bell-flowers hath got, laughing and creeping through the mossy rails. There have I hunted like a very boy, creeping on hands and knees through matted thorn, to find her nest and see her feed her young. 
and vainly did I many hours employ, all seemed as hidden as a thought unborn. And where those crimping fern leaves ramp among the hazel's underboughs, I've nestled down, and watched her while she sung. And her renown hath made me marvel that so famed a bird should have no better dress than russet brown. Her wings would tremble in her ecstasy, and feathers stand on end as twere with joy, and a mouth wide open to release her heart of its out-sobbing songs. The happiest part of summer's fame she shared, for so to me did happy fancies shape in her employ. But if I touched a bush, or scarcely stirred, all in a moment stopped. I watched in vain. The timid bird had left the hazel bush, and at a distance hid to sing again. Lost in a wilderness of listening leaves, rich ecstasy would pour its luscious strain, till envy spurred the emulating thrush to start less wild and scarce inferior songs. For while of half the year care him bereaves to damp the ardor of his speckled breast, the nightingale to summer's life belongs, and naked trees and winter's nipping wrongs are strangers to her music and her rest. Her joys are evergreen, her world is wide. Hark, there she is as usual. Let's be hush. For in this blackthorn clump, if rightly guessed, her curious house is hidden. Part aside these hazel branches in a gentle way, and stoop right cautious neath the rustling boughs. For we will have another search today, and hunt this fern-strewn thorn clump round and round. And where this reeded wood grass idly bows, we'll wade right through. It is a likely nook. In such like spots, and often on the ground, they'll build, where rude boys never think to look. Ah, as I live, her secret nest is here, upon this white-thorn stump. I've searched about for hours in vain. There, put that bramble by. Nay, trample on its branches and get near. How subtle is the bird! She started out and raised a plaintive note of danger nigh, ere we were past the brambles. And now, near her nest, she sudden stops, as choking fear that might betray her home. So even now we'll leave it as we found it. Safety's guard of pathless solitudes shall keep it still. See there, she's sitting in the old oak bough, mute in her fears. Our presence doth retard her joys, and doubt turns every rapture chill. Sing on, sweet bird, may no worse hap befall thy vision than the fear that now deceives. We will not plunder music of its dower, nor turn this spot of happiness to thrall. For melody seems hid in every flower that blossoms near thy home. These harebells all seem bowing with the beautiful in song, and gaping cuckoo flower with spotted leaves seems blushing of the singing it has heard. How curious is the nest! No other bird uses such loose materials or weaves its dwelling in such spots. Dead oaken leaves are placed without, and velvet moths within, and little scraps of grass, and scant and spare what scarcely seem materials, down and hair. For from men's haunts she nothing seems to win. Yet nature is the builder, and contrives homes for her children's comfort, even here, where solitude's disciples spend their lives unseen, save when a wanderer passes near that loves such pleasant places. Deep adown, the nest is made a hermit's mossy cell. Snug lie her curious eggs in number five, of deadened green, or rather olive brown, 
and the old prickly thornbush guards them well. So here we'll leave them, still unknown to wrong, as the old woodland's legacy of song. This has been The Daily Poem. Thanks so much for listening. I will be back on Monday with another poem for you.